Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Iruk the Yen of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfin. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nachvetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestin Echo. Vientolum again omgrev or corn rachtum. Yatakshatorin Graven or Corson, Elistuhalagus Gimina Fracht, Gorokligs or Dukashin Echor. Only Venown, Thordorakshin. Shachten. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent Dollar Rugby Podcast. I'm Will Slattery. Delighted to be joined in studio, as always, by Luke Fitzgerald. Luke, hello. William, how are you? On your phone, putting it away, turning Just it on side. Just putting it away. Just saying a little, a little thank you. Um, no, but uh, yeah, I'm good, Will. I'm You've good. delivered with a bumper guest. On yeah. a Champions Cup week of all weeks, so fair play to for coming on. We're going to be joined by Munster and Ireland star Tigburn in just a few minutes. Yeah, excited to have him on. Um... You know, one of the good guys, actually. We went through a very difficult patch, actually at a very similar time. I had a bad uh, bad um, groin injury, um, and he also had the same thing. And I suppose he was probably earlier in his career than, than myself. Um, he was kind of in the academy at the time. Difficult for Leinster to justify sending him to... I went into, you know, End of Kings... Um, he has a, um, a, I don't know what you call it, I suppose a gym really, um, and a fairly high-tech setup out in Santry. So I went out there, it's where Johnny Sexton went, it's where Ian Madigan went with the groin stuff, it's really, really top quality stuff now. Um, but they spent, I, I was three weeks out there, I was the guinea pig really. Um, but Ty, I suppose, wasn't really at the level where they were. Well, you were the highly paid <laughs> prima donna who needed to be happy. Uh, but that was it, well I was going to retire to be honest, it was the last, <laughs> it was the last throw of the dice for me. Um, so yeah, look, he's a he's a really really good guy. Still young, uh, had come back from an unbelievable stint over in in the Scarlets and has kicked off. I think where he sorry he's yeah kicked off where he left off. I suppose in, in Scarlets in Munster, um, and I think they're building they're building quite nicely. I know they just they did a bit of a struggle on the weekend, so the Leinster, um, but I think they, he's a really good bit of business for them. I think he's like a missing link for them. Mm. I think he's like an extra ball carrier. I think he's the extra little bit of handling that they need. Um, I've been kind of hard. Such an rounder like he, he has so many skills. I and like, I think it is maybe down to his GA background because he's a great ball handler as well. You know he's yeah he is. But he's just a natural footballer. He looks like a guy who appreciates space. Plus he's tough as all boots. Like he can hang himself. Peter Mahoney, um, you know when Tommy O'Donnell's there. Um, and Cloyta as well, like on the ground, they're you know they're fearsome there. They just stay in on the ball for ages. They get you turnover after turnover. So, I I think he's a really really good bit of business for for Munster, you know. And before we bring in Tygen and discuss his career, just quickly over the weekend, you know, you had Munster beating Cast, you had Ulster with a really great win against the Scarlets, and I have to hold up my hands after last week. I kind of said, have they really been that much better this <laughs> season? Fully, Maya Culpa is a great performance, their best win in years, probably. And then you had Leinster, you know, getting the job done against Bath. Like, what stood out to you across those three games? I think the Ulster one stood out. Um, yeah, look, it's not often I get it in right will, but um, <laughs> no, sorry, and it's not. Look, we always we look, we have to call games because mm. it's a bit of fun. Yeah, people like to, you know, have you hang your hat on something. But it's sports so difficult to make a call on these things. It's really fine margins. But I, I, I suppose I did. St- I stand over the point I made last week, and I think they have made some strides. I think they're winning some of the ones that they would have lost pre in previous years. Um, I think they're still going to be maybe a little bit away from winning something this season. But I think they're going to be in the mix actually. If they uh, get out of their group, that's a huge result for them. If, massive result, yeah, massive result, and they're well capable of doing it now. They're very difficult to beat in Ravenhill. So, um, yeah, look, I was that was the one that stood out to me. I think the Leinster one was a was a gritty win. Um, I thought they made a mistake. They're, they've got this mindset, which I think has worked well for them. 
uh, going to the corner, they got lucky. They got another shot at goal, which Ross Byrne, by the way, cool head on. Like, like he's just, I think he's a class player. I think he's got like he's a bit to go to get to the Johnny Sexton level. But the more I see him, the more I like him. I, I don't know about you, Will. What did you yeah, think? Yeah, well, I mean, ever just... since he did, he came into this podcast, <laughs> I've liked him. Fire. I've liked him a lot better <laughs> since then. But I just, I was really impressed with him. I was really impressed with all the bench that came on. They made an impact in the Leinster game. Um, I thought Bath could have done better. I thought they had, they had Leinster under the pump. I thought the weather was a real leveler. I thought Bath actually were a bit more aggressive defensively, and they got, Leinster got no momentum in the tight exchanges. They were really, really good there. On days like that, you just have to get out with the win. You know, you, you know, it's not going to be maybe yeah. a bonus point win or a high scoring game. You just yeah. need to get the win and move on because there's other games down the road that are you know hugely important. Yeah, big time, big time. Because I lost yesterday with Toulouse's win, or I lost on Saturday rather with Toulouse winning. You know, Leinster would have been really under the pump. So the yeah. result was the most important thing, I guess. It was, it was. No, look, and it was uh, It was great to see uh, them, them grind one out. Uh, Munster one was a bit more kind of kind of a bit more plucky. I think they, like, will they, reg- I saw all the talk in the in the media about will they regret not getting the bonus point. Um, so it was Carberry and Farrell to injuries, though, you know. Right before bizarre. kickoff. Yeah. Very difficult. I mean, and a lot of your, uh, like, they're the first guys oftentimes, bar your nine, but they're the first guys that kind of connect your game plan from what's going on on the inside. So when your forwards are uh, kind of bashing and they're making yardage, you know, to change the, the link between the forwards and the backs, uh, you know, especially because a lot of your moves would be done around a, a guy like Farrell, who's actually a nice passer of the ball as well. But he's a big guy, so he's kind of a focal point for them as well. Um, that was big changes very late. So I actually thought they adapted well enough. I think it looked it took them a while to figure it out um, in the first half, but um, they're better in the second half. Um, you know, next week becomes really important for them, doesn't it? But I guess when you're thinking about the missed opportunity for that bonus point, like I, th- you know, I can't even remember the last time someone won a Champions Cup or a Heineken Cup without having that home quarterfinal home semi-final you know what I mean like that, that, that one point could, could be very yeah. crucial to come, come the end of it when you have a cast team that, how interested were they they were pretty poor let's be frank yeah. the and reason I, I ranked them so lowly in my opening <laughs> 25 or my opening 20 yeah, but, yeah, those, those one pointers here and there can be very crucial at the end when they're all being totted up yeah they're never great are they in the uh, they're plucky away from, they're, you know, they're, they can be they can hang around for 30 minutes away from home but they don't seem to have the like it's kind of annoying having them in the competition a little bit because I don't really think they take it that seriously you know it's well like, that was my argument they they won the top fourteen last year so they're obviously a good side not saying they're not but they're it's definitely it, they just a good don't side, take yeah. yeah they don't take Europe as seriously it's silly though isn't yeah. it like I mean I think from their own perspective like I suppose look they've got relegation is what they're always going to say they seem to be a team that come late to like were they were they top, I don't know if they were they were in top were they last year in, in top 14 well, they came to like 5th or 6th yeah, yeah but they've done that I think the, the last yeah. time they went remember when they had Max Evans and all the team yeah. I think they were the same yeah, they were yeah, they're, always, or something. they're just yeah. very good at turning people over That's in right. France I presume their point is probably like well all the people in the top 6 are probably in you know, Champions Cup when they're playing their best teams, we're not going to do that, and that's probably where they're able to hang around. And they're not. They wouldn't have the depth battle. of squad that a Claremont would have or a Toulon would have either. No, well, not maybe not Toulon no, anymore. So, but yeah, so look, we get the argument yeah. on Cass, but like, look, moving on, they were. It's annoying that they don't seem to really take the competition seriously because I think it is the pinnacle, uh, and it's a bit of a shame. Like, I think you know, for me, I'm just hoping Munster isn't going to be one of those ones where they're regretting that. You know, the the Exeter game as well, where they could have come away with something there. Um, a draw we, that was a good draw to start. a draw was a, yeah. we would have t- like any yeah. team would take a draw going to Sandy Park there's just no like, they're out now basically you know they got so- they got pumped by Gloucester at home, basically. You know that was a, that was, I couldn't believe that watching that. Entire. Yeah, so look, it's a it, it's a it's a tricky one, you know. So look, um, bit of work to do for Munster. Last question before we bring on Tigburn. It was just a, a point Rory O'Connor, our independent colleague, raised in a column earlier today, saying that Leinster don't look as good at this juncture that maybe they were last year, or that we were expecting them to look. Certainly after that opener against Wasps, so I think that's a bit premature to say. I know they have they struggled against Bath and against Toulouse, but I still think they're a quid above everyone. But are they struggling a bit? To defend their title? No, no. Nah, it's it's. Uh, I'm surprised at that observation. Uh, you think of, of the people they're missing. Um, you know that makes a big, big difference. Uh, you know Robbie Henshaw, like just such a good rugby player. Like just re- like he's so fit. Uh, you know his fight, his carry. You know his. I, I think his ball handling has improved uh, immeasurably, and he's a good playmaker with Leinster. Um, he's a guy Leinster really miss. I think they're missing Fergus McFadden as well. They're missing Sean O'Brien. Uh, they're missing Jack Cohen was only just coming back from injury. 
Uh, they're missing Jack McGrath. You know, that's usually the last 20 minutes of a game. Like, even though they have lots of depth, and they do, and you saw a good James Tracy was, you know, when he came on for, for Sean Cronin as well. They do have the strength in that, but just they're still down a few bodies. Rory O'Loughlin's only just back from injury. They're missing uh, missing quite a few guys, you know. So um, I'd be cautious on that one. I think, remember, Leinster come back in, they would have had 20 guys maybe, or was it was it 20 guys involved in November, maybe more? Um Let's be cautious on that one. I think they're. I think they look really, really strong. Uh, you'd say that they, you know, a few of them, good few of them would have had a week off and would have been very heavily involved in November. In November. I'd expect them to, to to be very strong this week against Bath. You're judging them against their own standards, like a 50 point win against Wasps, winning every single game last year in the Champions Cup. Yeah. Only the second team to ever do that and win the tournament. So they're very lofty standards to match year on year. They are, but look, I think you look, look. I, I suppose the loss against Toulouse will have, I'm, I'm hoping, have taught them something. I think they can be, they could be smarter at times. I think there's a bit more in them that way. It's interesting to hear them always talking about, you know, there's, you know, even after pumping teams with fifty points in the in the Pro 14, they're kind of like, there's more in us. I think there actually is more in them. I think they're they're they've been a little bit sloppy at times this year. They can be a little bit careless. Sometimes it works really well where, you know, they seem to be able to turn the match on a big moment and then they're just unstoppable. But there's moments in against some teams where it isn't. You know, like Toulouse was a, was a case in point for me. Like there was two intercepts, two intercept tries in that game because they're a little bit careless. They kind of, but maybe you can take it for granted that you're going to steamroll over a team. They still could have won that one. That's a good there, I think. But um, I think they're the, they're still the team to beat. Uh, I would suggest that it, you know there could be a little bit a little bit of tiredness there. I think they've been a little bit lucky with injuries as well. I mean, they can't pick Fardy. I mean, you saw how good Fardy was in those two games, the Ospreys and the. The, the Dragons game he was on like that try he got I mean I got slagged to bits um, from the from the air sport guys but the the driving mall try that they got against the Dragons did you see like <laughs> no seriously how smart is Fardy like he was at the front of the mall he slipped out of the front of the mall on the right just goes over on his own out to the wing and then they throw the ball over the top to him. I was just thinking... A lovely pass as well. Yeah, it was a lovely pass. But mm. like, how smart a player like every other six is like running around the corner going I've got to work harder I've got to work harder that guy's like no there's going to be now, the Leinster made a break, but I was just thinking, smart, smart. Like, so he's a guy they haven't been able to play. Um, and he was a big, big part of what I, I thought made Leinster tick um, last season. So I, I think there's more in them to get in a very long, uh, roundabout way. <laughs> I'd be surprised um, if they didn't get better as the competition goes on. I expect them to win well this weekend, actually. A lot to look forward to this weekend and a lot to look forward to with our guests this evening as well. Delighted to be joined on the line by Ireland Munster second row, Tyg Byrne. Tyg, thanks so much for joining us. No worries at all. Good to be on. And you've had such an interesting journey over the last few years from leaving Leinster to go to the Scarlets to winning the Pro 12 to coming back to playing for Munster, getting your Ireland caps. But I think I want to start with a statistic I saw earlier that I found very interesting that in just four Ireland games, you've scored three tries, leaving you just one try behind Luke Fitzgerald's <laughs> all-time tally of four tries <laughs> in his international career. So, Ty, that, that's some going. <laughs> yeah, look, uh, I've been lucky enough to cross... Across three times, but uh, look, I think Luke probably played uh, some some first class. You don't have to be saying, man. Honestly, play. you can just call it like you see it. I wasn't very, that a very diplomatic answer by Tig there. I thought very diplomatic indeed. Very thank you. I appreciate that. By the way, listen, it's great to have you on. Um, and um, yeah, we were excited about this one for a while. I know we were close enough to doing it a while ago, but um, look, we may as well start from the start. I mean, how's uh, how's life down in Munster? How are you getting on down there? Yeah. Yeah, it's been great. Looking, settling in well, and um, you know, it's uh, it's it was an adjustment at the start. You know, we've gone from <laughs> adjusting to Welsh way of life, and then you're coming back home, um, closer to home, closer to your parents and family, and um, which is great. And um, that was a big, big part of coming home too. And but so far, so good. Really enjoying it. And uh, after after a few weeks, I feel like I've settled in well to the way of rugby as well so yeah going good and Ty was it a bit of an adjustment I guess for yourself coming back into Munster as one of the I guess uh, you know senior players maybe not senior players in the Munster dressing room per se but you know you're coming in on a transfer with a bit of expectation I guess last time you would have been in the Irish setup, you would have been an academy player with Leinster and just try to even get in a few minutes of game time whereas this time around you're kind of expected to contribute from the very start like what, what was that like for you coming back in? Yeah, it was a bit different. Um, so I was going over to Scarlets. It was, I think, the trend under my Twitter announcement was more "Who is this guy?" Come <laughs> um, <laughs> back here. I obviously had a bit of press going into 
the the semi final final in my first year, and then obviously getting my first Irish cap. So it was a bit different in that 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 perspective. And how did you find so the move across? I mean, I all everyone everyone always asks me about uh, about like did I play with you and all that kind of stuff in Leinster, and I was saying actually. It was really unusual because myself and Ty had the same injury. I had, we, we, I remember yeah. I had an injury, that 13-month groin injury. But you had the same thing at the same time. Um, and, you know, obviously, like, Ty was a, an up-and-comer, but he was only in the academy, really, at, at that stage. Or were you on the development, may possibly, at that stage? And um, what were you on? Were you on academy? I was still academy, yeah. I was second-year academy when I first, when I first half and got into my last year. Yeah, I feel pretty old now. But we had we had the same injury at the same time. And I, I remember saying like to to anyone who was asking me when you when you started off in Scars and you started kind of um I suppose hitting your straps a little bit and, and coming into your own. I remember people saying, What's he like? What was he like? How did Leinster let him go? And I said, you, like you don't understand, we both had the same injury. So I nearly retired with the thing. And you were on a little bit like you were you kind of got back, but weren't you never really got back, I thought, fully as and like you see the athlete you are now. But it took a long time for you to get back, and I suppose you only really started figuring it out probably over in the Scarlets, did you? Well, I suppose, yeah, I do remember that frustration period. Like, um, I think, I don't know if you remember, but I remember calling over to your house. I remember it well, I, I remember my, it well. <laughs> my head was gone at that stage. <laughs> you'd, been, you'd been over to Santry and uh, gotten a few weeks over there with... Um, over there on that program where with Enda and the King, yeah, yeah, and the King, yeah. Whereas Leicester refused to send me over. <laughs> <laughs> I was over there with pina coladas and uh, in a straw hat, and you were stuck out in the UCD. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So my uh, my rehab program was just I uh, had to be working up to that point. Unfortunately, it was just kind of it was one of those injuries that they weren't really that sure on at the time. And, I kind of almost needed a specialist to come in and sort it. And by chance, Leinster ended up um, recruiting uh, recruiting one of the physios from, from there. And uh, he came in and he more or less had me back running within six weeks, which uh, was massive for me. And then obviously over the next few months, I kind of found my, found my feet again and... Uh, and I didn't know myself, but I, I did pick up a few knocks um, but on my shoulders as well that 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 final year in academy. So I I, I never really kind of play got up to my um, well my own kind of standards that I'd set for myself even, um, which just was pretty frustrating. Um, yeah, I guess Ty, when you do look back on that period at Leinster, because people are so interested in the story and the player you've become, would you say that it was the injuries that was maybe the reason you didn't get noticed at the time by the coaching staff or do you kind of look at the way you're playing now and think this was always there they should have seen it <laughs> uh not really <laughs> i think that that the injury definitely um was was a big point and not really making us you know i think in that year about three people had passed me out where you know like my first year in the academy i was starting um that final in the BNI Cup and I was on a good progression and I think I was starting and calling the line outs in the second year up to the point where I got injured and then for the next obviously 14 months I was out and like Sir Ross Maloney, Gav Thornberry and um passed me out and then they ended up signing Mick Carney at the end of that my second year in the academy so they, it was going to be a pretty uphill battle for me then to kind of get a look in because um, I didn't have much ground to stand on in terms of uh, getting game time there especially with the A's I was kind of coming off the bench if I was playing and talk to us a little bit about so your, your time in Scarlet's really and I suppose finding your form and finding that little bit of I suppose figuring your body out so you, you could get on the pitch and, and show what, what, what a player you were uh, was that a big move I mean like how strange was it? Was it going over to a new environment? Because you came straight out of school into the Leinster Sub Academy, I suppose, and then into Academy, yeah. Yeah, um, it's it's a weird one, really, because you kind of you, you kind of look at a few people and you know, almost encourage them to maybe um, leave and not about if you don't really want that in the Irish system and you want to keep them where they are, but you become so tunnel visioned growing up um that like i couldn't see outside leinster i wouldn't even 
probably considered any other province. I just wanted to make it in Leinster, and if I didn't make it in Leinster, then I was almost no use. Um, but event, like when you as you get older, you kind of can start to see the bigger picture and um, taking the risk was obviously a scary thing, but um, one I didn't live to regret, thankfully. And when you were over there, so did you have a conversation with Wayne Pivac before you went over? Uh, yeah, so we, we kind of they they invited me over to kind of I think more or less look at me and weigh me up really to see what kind of a bloke I was. Um, I sat down with all of them and they took me around the stadium and um, had a chat with them and they just wanted to see see what I was like really and I had a chat and they kind of told me what they were what they were hoping to achieve in the next two years and um, we achieved one of the goals anyway. Yeah, I mean, look, your your time there was, in fairness now, I've got to say, so impressive to watch from afar. And again, as you mentioned there, I was I, I had been keeping a bit of an eye on you anyway, c- considering what we'd, I suppose, been through at the same time with the injuries and that. So yeah. it was great to see. But talk to us a little bit about, this is kind of a, a, just a thought I had because I was kind of interested as I was asking it about uh, Wayne Pivac and, and what he's been able to do with the Scarlets. And I suppose he's going on to be the Wales coach as well. So what, what yeah. was he like to work with? It seemed like your game came on, even as you were a good player going over, it came on leaps and bounds with him. Yeah, it was, he's he's different to anyone I've probably ever had before, and um, just the culture in Scarlet would have been a lot different to what I would have been used to in uh, in Leinster as well. And um, I think that had a massive effect on the way we played as well as a group. We were we were quite tight um, um, coming into those final few months, and uh, he played a big role in kind of making that group what it was in terms of getting them a lot closer and um he's just a, he's got a really good way with people and yeah I'd have a lot of time for him I'd have to say and Stephen Jones obviously is someone who's very highly rated as well in that setup and people I think are expecting him maybe to go on to the Welsh setup too uh what can you tell us about him is he a really good driver of those skills that the Scarlets have been so good at and you've been really good at too yeah um, I, well when I went in they'd all come back from um, they'd all been away in New Zealand and Australia and different parts kind of um, seeing the, the way they kind of did things and he kind of he was one of the guys who came back and would, had a big focus on like uh, just the sim- just the simple things in rugby just such as our catch pass and we kind of we did a lot of that and um, every single day that was kind of drilled into us and his it, I suppose with Wayne Pivik, they had like a, a vision of the way we, we they wanted to attack and the shape we wanted to they wanted to bring and um, yeah he drove that and uh, he was quite quite impressive he's really an, he's a really enthusiastic coach and uh, he kind of he's another guy who just kind of brings out the best in a lot of players. Yeah, he was on. You like this one, Doug? He was. I played in the Lions at him <laughs> way back. Yeah, Jonesy. Yeah, I mean, look, he was such a nice player, like a, a, like a nice guy. But such uh, a nice guy, isn't he? Yeah, and like a serious rugby knowledge. So I can imagine, like, it is important when your coaches are like. I know Joe Schmidt is is a person who's very tough, but you still love playing for him. I think you have to yeah. have that. Like, I mean, it seems like people like that. While the player group are, you know, if you're friendly with them. You know, you need to have someone, a few people, and it seems like Pivak and uh, Steve, like Stephen Jones, just seem to be guys who you'd want to play for. Is that like it, that's what yeah. I thought looking from at it from a from a distance anyway? Yeah, big time. It's kind of the the way they just coach was was enjoyable. I suppose it just meant rugby rugby fun because there's such a focus on ourselves more than the opposition that we could kind of go out and express ourselves a little bit and just. Um, Enjoy, enjoy the way we were playing rugby I guess um, and I think that's just that was the kind of style that they brought and the coaching style they brought Yeah it was interesting to hear you say earlier that when you were a younger player you were very tunnel visioned about making it at Leinster and being part of, of that team and that culture because I guess the Leinster culture is very well defined it, you know, a lot of the players come from quite a small area you know in South Dublin near around the Donnybrook area like how did you find that in contrast with what Scarlet's was like because I know the Welsh rugby culture will be a lot different maybe to, to what we're used to over here like how did you find that? Um, yeah look at growing up I, I suppose when I say tunnel vision like uh, like I didn't touch rugby well really until I was in 
Clongos and um, that whole Leinster Schools Cup, you kind of come up through that system. So um, it's all about Leinster, isn't it? And um, they're obviously so successful as well. So you feel like if you can make it in Leinster, you'll you'll be successful. But the whole environment there, like I'm not, the environment's great because they obviously win silverware and all that. Um, it's just a different type of environment, I guess. It was the I suppose Leinster would probably put a bit more pressure on themselves to be very successful, whereas Scarlets have that pressure, but kind of do it more so in terms of um, enjoyment, in terms of the rugby, I suppose. I'd say there's a lot of similarities, is there, between, just sorry off the top of my head here, but I'd say there's quite a few similarities between, say, the support in, in Limerick um and the support over in Wales. Is there, like, I always think that, I always think there's, like, a real, because, I mean, you know, I'd say most people would consider, you know, Limerick to be the traditional home, really, of, of Irish rugby. I mean, everyone in Limerick plays, no matter what your background is. Not It's not private schools. It's just everyone plays rugby down there. And I'd say it's quite similar to Wales. Do you find that yourself? Yeah, that's it's definitely something I've found since coming here would have been the, the fans would be quite similar in terms of, the, especially during the, terms of their passion. Like, um, like, Coming into European week, especially, you kind of see it see it more than the Pro 14 weeks, I suppose, just because um, there's probably such an emphasis on it, and it was like that as well. And in Scarlet, how passionate the well the the Scarlet fans were, and you could f- kind of feel it going into the, going into these games as well, and the noise they'd they'd make, especially even on away days, and it's very much similar here in Munster. So, and talk about the the, the so you've started off in Munster now. You seem, as you said yourself, you kind of you're up to speed. You've kind of got the game plan down. You feel like you're grown into your own. You have a role there. Talk to us a little bit about the journey that's that's I suppose brought you to there, and and what I suppose the conversation was like when you made the decision to come over. Was it was it kind of Joe Schmidt directed, or was it Van Gran, or who was the person that really I suppose I suppose uh, maybe locked it in for you because things were going well in the Scarlets. It's tough sometimes to make a change when things are going well. Yeah, I think um, I did have a phone call from Joe, and um, there was a bit of there was a bit of chat to and from in, in regards. But um, the decision was really down to myself, and it was it was a lot of it was based on whether I was going to whether to myself if I felt it was good enough to wear green or or not, and it came down to the fact that I I, I felt I I could give it a go and. Um, uh, there was potential there for me to to, to play for Ireland, and um, I knew myself from day one of going to Scarlets that the way it worked was if I was over there, I was never really going to play for Ireland. Um, but uh, I suppose when I was going over there, that wasn't really high on my list. It was more just to make to make a career in rugby. So be in the position. Uh, more or less a year, a year and a half on, where I had the possibility of coming home to play for Ireland. It was, it was probably something I couldn't um, not turn down and take a risk. Yeah, Ty, if I if I had told you the day you were about to sign that Scarlet deal, what would happen over the next couple of years? Would you have been completely shocked? Would you have thought, oh, that's a possibility? Like, what? Where would your head have been at? I don't. I don't think I would have believed it really. I kind of. <laughs> At the stage of me signing, I, I kind of felt I was going over almost as a squad player, and I was kind of thinking to myself, I might be able to, I should, like, if I play well enough and uh, I could sneak in now and st- get, get a few benches in my first year and we'd go from there. But um, to go from being on the bench in the first three games and then I got dropped, I, I thought that was more or less it for me. So. My next opportunity, I don't think I, I more or less started every game after that. So uh, it was kind of a bit surreal to, to think a few years on and I'm, I'm wearing green, yeah, oh, for sure. Was there one moment in that first season with the Scarlets where you felt everything was coming together and you just maybe even thought to yourself, geez, actually, things are going pretty well here, like even way better than I thought they could? Yeah, I belong. I think, do, do, like, yeah. do you know when you're kind of at that level, like you have to, sometimes you, it, take, it can take a while I know myself when I first started. It takes a while to, for you to have that moment where you're kind of like, "I actually belong here. I'm like I'm better than these guys, or I I belong here." Do you know? Do, mm. do you ever? Do yeah. you have that kind of feeling after a few games? 
Uh, well, it probably wouldn't have been until maybe after Christmas until I suppose I kind of felt like it was I'd merited my starting position, I guess. Um, you know, I, uh, there was a lot of luck involved in terms of me getting my first couple of starts um, to then eventually I got to a stage where they were selecting me because I deserved to be there. And once I kind of felt that, I suppose you kind of you then kind of feel like you more feel like you, you kind of belong and belong to be playing for that team then. And was there like a big night? Was there a European game or something like that or a, a match against Munster or Leinster or Glasgow or something where you said, you know what, they're whatever, the best in the league. I came up with, or even a player you came up against and you said, you know what, I got the better of that guy tonight. Was there anyone like that you kind of said, geez, I actually feel like I'm really comfortable here now and I can, I, I'm going to get better? I'd say probably the Toulon game at home. I was thinking uh, yourself and Ken Owens are unbelievable. That, was that the home game? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. that one. I kind of felt I came off that pitch. I was like, I felt I played well, and it kind of gave me an extra kind of burst of confidence. Then going going on from there, um, in terms of playing well, like I just, I suppose, just confidence in your ability. Then, and you're not kind of second guessing yourself going into games like you were, especially at the start when you're kind of getting your first start, and that you're kind of thinking about everything twice before you do anything in case it's the wrong thing but once you kind of find your feet a bit you kind of you have the confidence then to just play the way you feel you should be playing and Ty what was that week like at the end of your first season with the Scarlets where in back to back weeks you come to back to Dublin play Leinster at the RDS in the semi-final Scarlets are huge underdogs you win that game you play really well you come back the following week you're underdogs again against Munster at the Aviva you play really well again you win the Pro 12 and I remember seeing photos of you after both of those games and you had such a big smile on your face like did it feel like a bit of vindication? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose a little bit it did yeah um... There's a lot of hype around it as well, coming back, especially going back to Leinster. And, um, coming out of that game was, was pretty special, especially considering the circumstances of going down to 14 men to, like, early in the, early, or late in the first half. Um, but, you know, coming out of that game was, was a special feeling. And um, I think when we overcame that, I don't think whoever you put in front of us the following week, they were going to be stopping us, to be honest. And did you try to catch Leo Cullen's eye after the semi-final and just give him a look and say, hey, mate, you made a wrong decision there? <laughs> no, no, never. <laughs> <laughs> you liar. Um, and here, so, and talk to us now about your... your so you, you've made the move across now um, in Munster and, and, and looks like Van Grand's kind of building something nice. I think there's a few people coming back into the fall. Obviously, Chris Farrell's missing for, for next week from what we read. But Conor Murray's back in the setup. Joey Kirby hopefully will be back. Maybe not. Probably not this week, but you know, soon enough, hopefully. But like, it seems to me like something, something really good is building down there. There's lots of people who are at a point in their career where yeah, I kind of feel like Munster need to win something now. You know, Peter Mahoney's at the height of his powers. CJ Stander, Keith Earls, all these guys. I mean, you know, obviously you're, you're you came back to try and get and uh, you know pull on an Irish jersey. You've done that, but to get back in and to actually consistently get an Irish jersey on your back. I think Munster have to be playing well. Munster be playing week in, week yeah. out. Like, what talk to us a little about the journey you're on there, and maybe where where you feel you're at at the moment. Do you feel like you could be, you know, I know it's early in the season, but obviously the the ambition is very high in the squad. Yeah, for sure. You know, I kind of came in here, and uh, we we obviously came in pre season a bit later, and a lot of the boys had started, and um, we came in to a week's camp in Foda Island, and that was great to get to know a few boys but between now and then like um i suppose the atmosphere in the club is just kind of uh, has a really good feel about it and it just seems to be like getting better and better and um you know at the start we weren't playing the way we were hoping to play but i think um as the weeks have been going on we've been um we've we've been improving week on week and um i think there's a really good feel around uh, uh, around um camp kind of training every day and all that and I think the way Owen's kind of um, running this uh, it, it gives us we, we've, we've good confidence going forward and obviously the players that we have as well at the moment um, kind of makes it a lot more exciting as well and uh, you know if we stick to the way we want to do things I think we have a really good opportunity of uh, well, hopefully winning some silverware this year 
And I, I'm always, I'm always kind of interested to hear. Sorry, this is a, probably a more personal question. I'm not sure all the, the <laughs> listeners will love this one, but I, I'm really interested to see the likes of a, of a Jerry Flannery um, and a Felix Jones, like young Irish coaches. I, I'm, I'm just really excited to see where they can get to. How have you found working with those guys? Because I mean, they're not that much older than well, they're they're not that much older than me. Maybe <laughs> Felix is obviously my age, but they're probably a bit older than you now. But I mean, talk to us a little bit about them. And I'm I'm just interested to hear of you inside the camp. Do you feel like they're really bringing something? They, I to to me, just from having played with the two guys, I'd imagine them to be very technical. And I think they'd be guys you could learn a lot off. Yeah, for sure. Like um, you know, they bring I suppose they bring a lot of um, energy uh, energy to the way they want to do things and um which is quite fr- which is fresh um refreshing and um like you can't speak highly of them because you can just see how hard they they they, they work in terms of what what they're doing they spend hours and hours going through um footage and ways different ways we can uh attack teams so um you know um <coughs> It's it, hats off to them for for the work they put in because uh, what they've been doing the last couple of weeks has definitely been working. And I just to ask you a little bit about the off-field adjustment. I guess that you've had to make over the last couple of years as you have become more prominent, you know, in in the team and various teams you've been playing in. Like, did you find it a bit bizarre that, that kind of almost overnight there was an increase in in kind of coverage around you and how you were playing? And you know, I know last year when you were at the Scarlets, there was like a campaign to get you into the Ireland squad as well. Like, did you find that a bit weird? Having how much did you pay the campaigners? <laughs> <laughs> But did you find that a bit strange? Maybe having come from uh, you know a couple of months previously, where maybe a lot of people wouldn't have been too familiar with to uh, maybe a, a quite a big increase in coverage. Uh, yeah, I suppose you do kind of. It's it's not so much uh, me. It's almost more <laughs> your family um, be sending you on articles and all this kind of stuff, and you'd almost be trying to kind of not pay attention to it as much as you can. But um, I suppose that. You kind of my mom and my dad would be kind of getting excited about that kind of side of it more than I would, I guess. Um, it's a bit surreal for me, as probably coming from um, from where 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 I was um, two years before. But you know, um, I suppose it's it's just kind of it kind of comes with it when you start <laughs> yeah. You were always Alana's brother. That's a, <laughs> she was the famous one before you from the from the oh, battle she's show. And <laughs> <laughs> here, talk to both your folks are are um are are, are were guardy, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, uh, the guards. And like, how, how did you get into rugby? Is it like, was your dad playing rugby? Was your do your mum or your you know did they no, just love no. sports or? No, it was. Uh, I I did play. I, I actually I went and I played with Nate because I wasn't allowed to play with my year in soccer back in sixth class, and I went to went to play with Nate, and I think it lasted about two months there. And I absolutely despised it. <laughs> I, I didn't understand the rules. I just I had no time for it at all. Um, but then obviously going into Clongos, you're you're kind of forced to play in your first year, kind of just. To, as a way of getting to know everyone in your year, your year and um, just, I suppose, to do some exercise as well. Um, and be, with that and then kind of looking up at the Senior Cup and all, um, you kind of start to fall in love with it and you're kind of like, geez, I, I'd love to be one of those guys one day. And that's kind of what you aspire to first. And then as you get older, you kind of, uh, as I got older, I started to watch rugby then and I started to obviously... Um, fo- follow Ireland first, and then kind of got in more into kind of watching Leinster and uh, Monster and all that. So uh, yeah, a bit of a late late, late interest into it, I have to say. And I always ask kind of players this whenever I get a chance. Um, like who who did you kind of who do you model your game on? Who was your like? Do you know when you're so you said you got into the game late, but who who are you watching week in week out? And you were like Jesus. That that guy's unbelievable. Like I I love. Or do you try and? I suppose you become your own player in a certain sense. But who did you try and model your game on to start with? I I can't really say I did. To be honest, it was I like I was never I never really kind of watched that much rugby up until maybe third or fourth year. So I kind of just 
I probably probably fancied myself as a back for the first three years. <laughs> so you're probably Draco or something, was it? <laughs> yeah, thinking, thinking I should have been playing ten. Like so, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I probably didn't. No, not not an any Pacific player. No, I kind of just, um, just kind of was coached into the probably player I I was. You know, I didn't really have a clue how to play the game and. Um, Obviously, my years in Clongos and then gone into Leinster, Lansdowne, and obviously onto Scarlet's kind of, you just kind of, you learn as you go, don't you? And I'm You're a, still learning to this day. <laughs> <laughs> am I right in saying you played a good bit of GA when you were younger as well? Yeah, GA would have been my kind of number one sport, really, because my dad was would have been big footballer when he when he was younger, and he loves he loves the GA, so... Um, that that probably would have been my number one sport up until I kind of up until probably third third or fourth year I was still playing I was playing Kildare underages up until about under 16s and then I think my mum and dad kind of decided the drive was a bit too much for them driving out to Clongos and then out to Kildare training so um, I started to pack that in then I going into fourth year I think because I was actually thinking uh, against Gloucester a couple of weeks back you made a breakdown field you had many years side and you just let out this almighty hoof down the field and I was thinking that's a man who used to play GA that's when a, he was younger that's a cultured right foot <laughs> that, was, that was normally bad foot that's why it was so bad <laughs> you shouldn't have a bad Oops. foot <laughs> <laughs> options to the left yeah, options to the right yeah exactly <laughs> well, look, isn't, it, isn't it funny though I mean I always think because I played a good bit or I hurled a good bit and played football as well I think it makes such a difference it's no surprise to me that like the likes of a Sean O'Brien Rob Carney um, you know I suppose Tommy Bow was, was a, a good a good footballer and a hurler and that as well, or not good footballer I think Tiernan O'Halloran as well there's loads of guys across rugby that have played Gaelic games um, I think it makes a massive difference to you I think you get a great appreciation of space and how to use it and different people around you do you find that yourself because I think you look like a natural footballer to me yeah, I, think I I definitely would have to agree with you, and even just for hand-eye coordination, like it's it's massive as well. You know, kind of just in terms of fielding in Gaelic football and being able to take a ball, and you just if you become good at that, it's almost just feeds into rugby then as well. Just in terms of having having a good pair of hands, which uh, certainly comes in handy as a forward. <clears throat> and and again, just on your on your own game. Sorry, I know we're going into the nitty gritty here. We try not to do this. We try and keep it light enough. But just in terms of like, say, what I really know is that a big thing that I, I suppose I didn't before you you'd headed off uh, to the, to the Scarlets was your ability on the ground. I mean, was there a coach that's kind of helped you with that, or is it something that you've just kind of stumbled into? I mean, you just seem to have got super for especially for a tall guy. Great technique in there. You mean your your turnovers? They were a big. I think that the Scarlets have actually really, really missed it. But Munster, I think, have really gained something there because it's super for turnover for backs. I mean, is it something who coached you on that, or is it just something that you've kind of fallen into and you've gotten better at? Yeah, I can't really pinpoint it to be honest. I've probably been asked this question a few times, and I can never really put it down to anything in particular. It's probably just something I've done, kind of. Um, from a younger age, well, from as long as I can remember, and kind of, you know, once you kind of get a taste for it, you you enjoy getting a turnover. So you kind of you get a bit hungry to get get a few more turnovers. So um, just for as long as I can remember, I've always been one to kind of go after the ball a bit. And uh, yeah, <laughs> seems to be working. And I guess after a match, Ty, what's the kind of numbers you like to look at to maybe give yourself an indication of how well you've played? Because I guess a player like yourself, you know, you carry a lot of ball, you get a lot of turnovers, and then in the second row, you know, you're involved in the line out as well. You're making tackles. Like, is there, which one of those do you look at first to say, okay, this is this has hit my target for today? Um, I don't know if I'd look at numbers really. Obviously, um. I do like to get it. I do like if the turnover numbers is quite high. Gonna, if that's high, then I know I've probably done something right. Um, but I, I suppose just kind of having a feel when I came out. If you come off to get off the field, like whether you've played well or not, you know. Um, and sometimes you just know you haven't played well, and the numbers when you go and look at them probably um, prove that. Um, like even I like I, like being honest. Like uh, over the weekend, I felt I had a poor game and. And I went back and had a look and I like I, I know myself I didn't play well. So you know, kinda of, you just have a feeling when you come off, you know, whether you've done well or not. 
And as well, just when, when we're talking about your, your own game, I hate to keep coming back because I'm always fascinated with this stuff. But just in terms of like, you know, getting the best out of yourself, I, I remember myself, I always had a few things when I was playing where I was like, just, you know, this year I really want to make a big push to get better at whatever it is, passing off, passing under pressure because I'd like to make a move into the center, whatever it may be. Is there something in your game at the moment that you're saying, Do you know what, if I, if I want to nail down a place in, in the Irish team, have you picked something in your game? You're saying I really want to tighten this up for for the for the coming season, especially the season that's in it with the World Cup. Uh, I'd probably probably call in lineouts would be one of the big ones for me at the moment in terms of just uh, you know I I was kind of backup caller in Scarlet and um, Hair Monster. I know I know Billy playing um, starting with me. He, he's going to call because he's a bit of a line. He's like well, he is a line guru, so. You kind of want him to be calling, um, so I'm just kind of just kind of trying to learn off him, and you know when I do get the opportunities to call on names, I think that will add to my game massively as well. And have you talked to any guys? Because I know, I mean, obviously you've Donico Callahan is still kind of around the setup, but when you came over initially, uh, like had you had any conversations with Paul O'Connell or anyone like that to try and, or I presume Jerry Flannery would be really knowledgeable on the lineout stuff. Is there anyone you've kind of sought out to say, do you know what, you know, is there any, what, what what did you do to get really good at this, or is kind of Billy been your go-to guy? No, I haven't really. I suppose I really have really sat down with anyone and kind of just feeding off. Um, you know, Billy would kind of almost lead the a lot of monster lineups in terms of um, in terms of that. But like, if I if I'm calling one week, I I I do I have occasionally gone to him and gotten his opinion on something and seen what he thinks about it, and um, which is which is a great great asset to have. And I mean, if, how do you get better at it? If you're like same with Billy, if Billy's playing every week, how, how do you get better at that? Type? Do you need do you need time in the middle? Do you need time calling under pressure where you've got, you know, your your five minutes to go. You know, you're on your own line. They're whatever two or three points behind. You need to win the line. Do you, is there, are they though? Are they the moments that bring you on? Do you think? Yeah, I think they were, they obviously have massive impact. I suppose you can you can uh, like do all the video you want and like I do a lot of video and I'll I'll think of different line outs and all that kind of stuff but uh, nothing's probably going to be the same as um, the pressure of uh, playing like having to call in a line out especially if you are losing a game and you're 10 metres from the line you have to win the ball um, that's a lot different to going up against opposition and training you know and practicing that way but you know with with Billy and um, play, obviously Coleman, he's playing. Uh, I, I obviously back up caller, so I need to be prepared no matter what. And if he goes off, I'm going to be calling. So, you know, those are the moments that I just need to be ready for. And uh, I'm sure I, I will be calling um, over the next couple of weeks. And um, sorry, we we've delved into your Munster experience a lot and your Scots experience, but but how have you found the step up to international level and working with Joe Schmidt and being in the Irish camp? Uh, I'd imagine it was a bit of a step up when you first got in there. Do you feel like you're kind of up to speed now, or are you, I don't know if you're ever up to speed when Joe Schmidt is head coach? Yeah, look, I think um, you know when I went over to Australia the first you know week or two, um, I, I had a lot of pressure myself just to get up to speed with um, with, with everything, um, especially the fact that I kind of covering. The two roles with six and uh, and lock. So um, the first two weeks uh, was almost double intense than it probably it probably usually is because I was uh, I was coming not knowing anything. Whereas going into camp there in November, I kind of I was a lot familiar with the calls and getting up to speed was a lot was a lot easier for me. And um, you know you, you enjoy it, you enjoy it a lot more when you're comfortable and. Um, I definitely found November I was kind of up to speed and I was a little bit more comfortable um, in terms of the calling and the, the, the system for sure. And I guess a lot of people were hoping to see you in the squad to play the All Blacks, that famous win. I know you just missed out. Like, Do you know if you were in the mix? Were you close? Do you know how close you were to get to get to being involved? Yeah, look, I, uh, 
well, I, I like to think I was close. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> I've been I, in that I, position a few times, so I, yeah. <laughs> you've got to um, feel like you were close. Otherwise, you drive yourself mental. Go on, anyway, sorry. Um, yeah, I travelled as, as 24th and, um, you know, I experienced the whole thing. But, you know, you got to look at it as well. People may have been asked, telling, saying I should have started, but like it was, it was a massive game for for the country, and um, as uh, as well as people may have thought I played. Um, there's also you've also got a lion lions player, and you've De- Dev Toner's there, and James Ryan, who's like if we're being honest, probably the best lock in the in the world right now. So you know. Um, those guys are uh, aren't, aren't too shabby rugby players either. So um, I, I can't be can't be too frustrated either, especially when they've they've um, proven themselves for Ireland time and time again again and got into such a big game. Um, Joe decided to go with them, so that was just the way it was. And what are the hopes for for the year ahead? I mean, can you so you you've picked the, I suppose the line out call is a thing you really want to improve. Do you feel like if you get that to a level, you might be able to say, well, look, Joe. Like, do you feel like your conversation with Joe could go differently, where you say, well, look, I really feel like I'm doing this well. I think I've got all the numbers to back it up. We look at the monster line out, you know, all the rest of the stuff that my game that I've continued to do well. Like in that case, then, like, are you having, are you going and having a, you know, real good conversation with Joe to say, listen, you know. You know, why aren't you picking me? You know, you're probably in a different place than you are at the moment, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think it will obviously add a massive aspect to my game and give more of a reason to be selected, you know? And um, going forward, it should give me more opportunities to, to, to be involved in 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 the Irish squads, especially the big games. And, um, you know, all I can do is just keep my head down and keep playing as well as I can play and then um, if it's good enough it's good enough if it's if it's not then there's not much more I can do but um, uh, if he wants if Joe wants me to go away and improve on on something else then that's that's what I'll go away and do uh, and I'll do but um, you know uh, at the end of the day it's his decision who he feels is the right man for the job on that in that moment so um Whoever he selects, he selects. And Ty, just before we let you go, I have one last question for you, and I'm really grateful for you giving us so much time. Like, how close are we realistically for this conversation never having to have happened? In the sense that you wouldn't have turned, you wouldn't have turned down the Scarlet's contract and said, "Okay, I can't play for Leinster anymore. Maybe it's time for me to move on with my life." Uh, yeah, I, I very close. It probably might have been selling one of you guys a house the same. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, don't go. Um, Jesus, <laughs> it was that close. <laughs> yeah, no, I was. Uh, well, I've half a masters done, so I probably would have finished that off and uh, went went into went into property. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Property um, mogul. <laughs> I'll keep an eye out for you. Um, yeah, listen, I'm working on the bank, so if you yeah. need a mortgage, you know, you, you come, you just you give me a call, all right? Um, it, listen, <laughs> on a serious note, it is absolutely, it was fantastic to get you on. I know it's a busy week for you guys. Uh, we wish you the best of luck on the weekend. It was a clean sleep for, for sorry, clean sweep for the Irish provinces on the weekend. We're hoping for yeah. another one this weekend. Uh, great to have you back in the country, and hopefully we'll see you. Uh, you know, knocking on that Irish door, maybe getting a few more caps in Six Nations, getting on that plane at the end of the year. Okay. Fingers crossed. Cheers, Luke. Thanks, <laughs> Cheers, Dyke. That's all we have time for this week on the Left Wing. We will be back next week with another great podcast. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on Independent.ie. So until next week, thank you for listening and goodbye.